This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milton. Welcome back to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. Uh, Ryan Milford is on vacation and on his way home from vacation at this moment. So uh, flying a little solo by myself tonight, but um, I'm lucky enough to have the one and only Josh Eldridge with me. How's it going, Josh? I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, Josh is fresh off... um, uh, being out this morning in the uh, third round of the uh, uh, Paddle and Finn Brat, uh, I can't talk. <laughs> the Paddle and Finn Spring Madness Bracket um, tournament that we're running. Um, it was a tough morning uh, for Josh. He, uh, he can talk a little bit about that if he wants, but uh, he did uh, gut his way through it. Unfortunately, it just uh, didn't work out, and due to smacked him. Um, so yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a tough, tough go around. Um, 
I kind of uh, was trying to think of some places. I got some tips, and you know, I knew I was gonna have to put up some big numbers to try to contend with Dustin and Daniel. So, um, and the area that I fish is actually a good area, good smallmouth bite. But it, uh, we, you know, we had that really big rain last. No, maybe not last week. The prior to the week where it was like four inches of rain and it blew out the rivers and they were still pretty high and still pretty dirty. And then we had an, another round on Friday. It wasn't nearly as bad, but it just kept everything muddy. And the area I was in was real nice and rocky. It was this rapid area. And, uh, but, uh, like the rapids, when they slow down, they create like little seams and you have like a, a w- rock wall and a break in it where a seam is coming down and a fish will stack up in there. Well, there wasn't much of that. The water was rushing over at all points of those, uh, those rocks. So it was, and I couldn't, I couldn't keep boat position. It was just moving just quick enough that I couldn't get like with the setup that I currently have, I couldn't hold, hold any kind of boat position because i have an anchor and stuff but it's going out the back so it didn't help me out at all and um you know i was kind of frustrated i was dealing with the wind and that sort of thing so and then i was dealing with our connectivity issues which i have no idea why it was happening i don't i don't know if it was from where milford was tied in me and brian were trying to figure it out because there was three of us that it seemed like we were like all having this issue right and we were wondering if it was with ryan being tied in and him having the the weird connectivity issue that it was slowing the whole program down or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause I, when we started, I only had two bars, uh, of service and, Oh, I was fine. I mean, I was a little hard to hear, but I was hard to hear because on my phone, not because of connectivity, like the, my phone has a life proof case on it. So it's, <clears throat> it, the microphone doesn't pick up real well on speakerphone and I had forgotten my earbuds, but I came, uh, around this island and i got excited i was like oh cool it's a good signal here and then that was when everything just fell apart like it was weird and then when i got back to there that only had two bars that worked fine again so that's weird but you know i i took a gamble um you know i should have stuck where i'd been fishing recently and catching some fish but um i'm also a guy who doesn't i i like fishing tournaments um, I have fun doing them, but I'm not ultra competitive. So uh, if I have the chance or like a, you know, a tip on an adventure of some sort or something different that I've never been, I'll, I'll usually take that over, like, you know, trying to worry about putting up numbers. So definitely a cool place. I just wish the water was cleaner. So, um, but you know, it, it is what it is. I got another chance, you know, so I got to go against Dan again. So hopefully <laughs> I don't make any dumb choices again. So we'll see. Ah, uh, you know, it happens. I uh, was second guessing going to the river in my last, uh, my last um, tour number two. Well, my last outing when I was going up against uh, Sam, and uh, both times when I went up, I went up against JP first, and I went up against Sam, and neither of them really rocked it while they were against me. So I feel like I had a missed opportunity both times, yeah. and <clears throat> and the, if, when I went to the river uh, up against Sam, I feel like. I should have went to the lake because I was actually starting to catch stuff at the lake. But then I was like, oh, well, the river's finally calmed down enough. And, you know, I, you know, I think I could probably get some half decent smallies, but uh, it just didn't happen that day. So, 
But you know how it goes. Like, there's nothing more exciting than like catching like river smallmouth, in my opinion. Like, I, I I like bass fishing all around, but like, even like for the entertainment value of the actual live stream, like being out on a river and catching those smallies is just it's it's a good time. So, but uh, but yeah. So, what do you want to talk about tonight, dude? I was trying to think of uh, what some mistakes that I've made um, as a noob, and um, one of the things I think that um, really hits home the most is how much dumb money I spent. And um, when I first started out, um, you know, now that I'm, I have you guys to bounce all sorts of things off of, um, you know, ask questions about, oh, where'd you get this, or you, you know, what kind of discount code do you guys have for this, and. Um, I, I can definitely source stuff a little bit better, but, uh, for those, uh, our listeners who are just kind of getting started with this whole thing, uh, just getting their feet wet, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the best way, the most economical way to get into this, um, just work our way down through, um, so we could start with kayaks, you know, um, I kind of jumped right, uh, well, I, I started with a, uh, Wilderness Systems Tarpon 100, that I bought from uh, Austin Kayak, um, and uh, I was a little. I took it out a few times, um, but I never felt super stable, and so um, almost immediately, maybe after only using it a couple months, I went to my local paddle shop where I should have went to begin with. Went to a demo day. I paddled a Kusa HD, and you know loved how stable it was and uh, ended up trading that tarpon in on that but so um <clears throat> i think the first thing i learned was definitely go demo 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 and um but as far as finding a good price on kayaks what do you think uh i know you can definitely look around on uh, craigslist and uh, Facebook marketplace, but you have to be a little careful there, um, that you're inspecting what you're getting if you're going that route. Yeah, we've had, we had an episode. So I, th- I think Ricketts did one and it might've been with the noobs about, um, like what you should look for inspection. So like inspection wise on a used kayak. So definitely for any of the listeners that are new and they're in the market for a kayak, go back and listen to that. Uh, Ricketts gave a lot of good information as far as checking, um, you know, the bottom of the kayak. What, like, you know, if it has a skid plate, check around that skid plate. Sometimes they get cracks on the screws. Um, I know Jackson's had that issue with before and it's easy to do like, um, and it could be, it could come like that. It could just be a manufacturing defect where they screw in the screws too tight. It doesn't take much to crack those. Um, it could be a loading issue like transport. Somebody put it in and dropped it on there. Like, Oh, it must not be a big deal. Well, it is actually a big deal. It's a lot of pressure on that little point. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good, good information. Uh, my experience the my first time around is i was into wade fishing i was in a in a forum and i got into kind of reading the forum and there was these group of guys that were all kayak fishing and they were taking like these overnighters and all these trips i was like dude that's what i need i i was getting tired of being on foot in public places where everybody else could fish i wanted to get to some more like you know private areas that were you know hit as hard as the most of the spots that i was in so i asked uh, one of the guys on there if he had a kayak that i could borrow and i could go on a river trip with him and he said sure 
And it was kind of funny because I actually almost didn't buy a kayak because of how uncomfortable that kayak was. Um, it was a little field and stream set inside, um, like F 10 or F it was some little weird red one with two rod, you know, little rod holders. And dude, it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever sat in my entire life. Like I, I was 30 minutes into it. My lower back was hurting so bad that I had to keep getting out of the kayak to fish. Like I couldn't stand sitting in it. And, um, being a sit inside had stability as far as like paddling stability like i could maneuver real easy um but like you couldn't stand in it like it was uncomfortable i could barely take any gear with me so um i kind of held off and then what i decided to do was save up my money um i think i waited another year and a half before maybe a full year before i bought a kayak and um i ended up going down to Loveland canoe and kayak. It's a, about a 45 minute drive South from where I live now. And, and this was all, this was on a, um, on like a recommendation from somebody on the forum to check out Loveland. And so I went down there and ended up buying a Kusa HD as well and bought my wife a cruise 10. Um, and, and we bought a trailer at the time, at the time, I actually had a Jeep Wrangler and so I didn't have, you know, the ability to, I, I wasn't about to try to top a Cruise <laughs> 10 on that thing. So, and, um, <clears throat> so we got a trailer with it as a package. I think we spent about uh, all said and done around like $3,500 for the whole thing. So it really wasn't too hateful. I, uh, my Kusa was brand new, but it was the previous year's model. It was still in, in plastic, so I got a discount. It was an unsold boat. And then my wife's boat was used. And, and, and uh, so I think I got the Kusa for like 13 something and hers for like 800 And then the trailer was like uh, 1400 something like that. So trailer was kind of expensive, but it's galvanized steel. So it doesn't like rust apart real easy. Um, but I still have it. Um, I don't use it as often. Um, I usually use it if we're doing like a multi-person kind of float, but if it's just two of us, I won't really bother with it. So, but, um, so that's kind of not my recommendation necessarily. This is what I did. If you have the means to kind of have a higher budget, um, Definitely get out there and demo. Um, and I would say even if you have a lower end budget and you are going to have to buy from a big box store or something like that, still hit up your um, local paddle shops. They have a lot of specialized kayaks usually. They also will carry stuff that you may be able to figure out like, okay, this is what I kind of have my eye on. It's a 10 foot by 33 inch you know, long kayak and test the stability of that. Now, mind you, this is not going to match it perfect by any means, but it'll give you a sense of what sort of the performance of a kayak of that size would be, even though it may not be the same brand. A lot of these brands all have different style, like designs on their hauls. So like some of them may have like a stability that you kind of wouldn't see there. Like a bonafide is actually somewhat on the narrow side, but that, catamaran style haul makes it super stable 
Um, now you know how you know how Jacksons are. Jacksons tend to be on the wide side and more of a flat profile on the bottom. That's where it gets its stability from. But then it also has that weird second. You can rock those boats real hard to one side, but then that second point of stability kicks in, and, and you know, kind of uprights you in a sense. So, but you know, I say if you've got a budget, you've got a budget. You can't. We can't help it. You know, it's just that's it is what it is. But if you have the ability to and you go out and test these boats and figure out you like a Jackson or a Bonafide or whatever, just save up the money because nine times out of ten, you'll go get that cheaper boat. And a year if you really start liking this and you get into it, you're going to try to turn around and sell and probably upgrade it. Um, But. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Um, kayaks tend to be kind of an easy sell. So um, there's always people looking for it. I mean, right now, like with the COVID thing, it's crazy, like how out of stock everything is. Um, I mean, I know in fishing gear, like my buddy Mike was out at Cabela's and Bass Pro, and they hardly have any fishing reels in stock right now because they sold out of so much stuff and nothing's being shipped out hardly at all. So, um, but that that's kind of my recommendation demo everything you possibly can go to different paddle shops um and try out different kayaks um every kayak has its little pros and cons every one of them does nobody's perfect you know like a hobie pa14 awesome 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 boat for lakes it's a good river boat i mean it's you can put it in a river um i wouldn't recommend if you're not experienced doing that um or like, but like, you know, I, I know there's a ton of guys who do it and they love it. Um, uh, but me personally, I just, I'd, I'd be too, too cautious with it. Like, but so some of the things I would say, look for is write down what it is that you fish. What do you plan on fishing? You know, even look into the future. Like, do I want to get into this and go this direction with it? Do I want to start on big lakes am i just a river guy and that's it you know because you you could go get, potentially go get a boat and it doesn't fit that application you're gonna you can't stand it like when i started fishing lakes last year i hated the coos hd out on open water because it gets affected by wind so easily but that boat in a river is a, a machine like my buddy Mike has a Hobie 360 uh, Pro Angler 14. Loves his Jackson H, you know, Coos HD in a river. Loves it. He's like, I'll never own a different river kayak, probably. Um, and that's, you know, and, and that's where that that boat shines. So, you know, you could get specific with it with these brands. You know, there's a lot of applications. Like Brad loves his Bonafide. He's not the biggest fan of the SS 127 and the rivers because it is a heavy boat and it's a, a bit hard to turn at times, you know. Um, so that's that's things you want to look into. How big are you? You know, um, now when I say that, though, because you always see the question, you know, you're in the forums and it's like, 
I'm 6'3", 250 pounds, I'll, I'll tip it over. It's like, dude, these boats are hard to tip over, man. Like, when you get a high, sort of a mid to higher-end kayak, they're not easy. Fishing kayak, they're not easy to tip over. If you're in a little, like, sit-in that's, like, 9 feet long by 31, yes, you're going to probably tip that over if you're a big person. So, um, but the main thing is, if you're in the market for a fishing kayak, get something uh, that matches the body of water that you're going to want to fish. And also look at, like, what are you going to be comfortable in? If you're like me, when I get out there, I don't like taking the i don't like packing up my kayak for like a one hour trip it's just that's how i am like the amount of time it takes for me to get the thing ready to get rigged up to get on the water to break it down and all that jazz it's just not worth it i'd rather just go on foot at that point um but you know look for what what's comfortable sit that's why we say demo like can you see yourself being okay in this kayak for six to eight ten hours however long you plan on you know, being out there. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it, that's the main thing. Demo these kayaks, get out there, try them all, do your research. Cause every one of them has pros and cons. I, I don't care what anybody says. You can be pro staff for any of these. And you know what the pros and cons of every kayak is because we're all part of the same, same community. We read each other's stuff. You know, I I've seen, I've seen Hobies have their issues. I've seen Jacksons have their issues. I've seen natives have their issues. Like, you know, like it's, it's just, it's a part of it. Unfortunately, um, no manufacturing process is perfect. So, you know, so just get out there find. That's what I recommend. Get out there, try them, see what you like, see what fits you. Um, spend some time in it too. Don't just jump out there and like, you know, do it for like two minutes. Be like, all right, I want to try this out. Ask the paddle shop, can I bring a rod and reel? Like, you know, don't spend, try to spend an hour doing it, but say, I just want to cast. I just want to see what this feels like a hundred times out of a hundred. They're going to be like, yeah, dude, no problem. You know, I mean, I know sometimes they even can set up like a demo thing where you could go out for like a four hour trip. They'll usually have fees associated with it, like 50 or hundred bucks to do it. Um, you know, something like that. I've heard of that before. Uh, We don't do that at our shop. We don't do like, but we don't do the extended ones like that. You know, we, the shop is mainly, my shops are mainly a rental facility. So it's right on the river. We can just drop the kayak right there and they can paddle around, you know, however long it takes them. So no big deal. But um, yeah, don't, my main thing is get get out on the water. You'll you know you'll you may enjoy it. Um, most of the time, people do, but you may not like it. Also, so it's not for everyone, but it's uh, definitely an awesome way to fish because it's so stealthy. So, yeah, just demo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's definitely good advice, and it, it's true. I mean, there there is things I love my the Kusa too, and but that was one of the things is on windy days, man you know there's no rudder or or skeg or anything so you just you know i i would get blown from one end of the lake to the other um and spend you know just absorbent amounts of energy trying to maintain position you know um but but on the river you're exactly right i mean it 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 totally makes up for it now i i have a outback now and um you know i love 95 percent about it but 
I can say one of the easy things for me is no instant reverse. You know, yeah. a lot of the pedal kayaks, you can just pedal backwards to go, you know, reverse. And on mine, um, I have to reach down and pull a little tab to switch directions. And at first it drove me bonkers. I'm starting to get used to it now. Um, but, and, and, but uh, again, when I go on the river, it definitely is a completely different boat than the, the Kusa, um, and I, I'm still worried about, you know, I have the kick up fins and stuff, but they only work if you're going the direction that the fins are facing. So if I'm drifting backwards, I have to remember to switch my uh, fins to face that way so that if I back into something, um, yeah. it's not going to break. And the rudder's the same way. So definitely things you have to keep in mind. So, um, but I, I drove three hours to test drive the Hobie because the closest place to me was in Delaware. Um, so, uh, to, to test drive. So, um, it's definitely worthwhile though, uh, to go make sure you, if you see something you like, do whatever you can do to try and test it out. Even if, um, you don't, uh, have a shop near you or you can always just hop on the forums. And I know one guy offered on the forums to just meet me at the lake and let me try his hobby too. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, with like Brad and I, like part of our agreement with Loveland is to, you know, if we need, if somebody needs to do a demo that we necessarily don't have to come down the shop, if they're up here in our area, we just meet them out, you know, whatever body water they, they want to fish out of. So it's not, you know, it, it's just, it, it's just recommended, you know, the kayaks, they're getting more and more expensive, you know, they're still you know, there's still those entry level price points, but like a lot of times, if you're looking for a good quality kayak, you're going to spend at least $800 right off the bat, like a good solid one, you know? And so the ones that the unfortunate thing is the ones, the cheaper ones that you can buy tend to have, they're like, they tend to be a one piece mold or I'm sorry, two piece mold that is like welded together. And that weld creates a weak point all the way around the boat. Um, but when you get into the higher priced kayaks, it's an injected molded one piece. And that's where the price kind of spikes up real easy because it takes so much money to build those molds. So um, it's another thing to keep in mind because I've seen people buy those cheaper ones and they leave it out in the sun and the thing separates at the, that seam. You know, like it starts to f- crack or, you know, collapse in on itself or whatever. And there's all kinds of problems with them. So um definitely if you can, if you can budget it aim for the higher end but if you can't you get it you know but and you can always sell it but just try to take care of it because if it's gets a giant hole in it you, you know you're gonna have a, obviously an issue trying to get rid of it so that's definitely i mean uh for my kids um i kind of went the cheaper route initially just to see if they'd like it and um but i I constantly think about that. Like I don't take their kayaks in the river because I'm like, there's no way that's going to stand up to running into a rock. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like it would just crack and go down, you know? Yeah. So um, definitely considering where you're going to be paddling. If you're going to be in rivers with rocks, I mean, I've bumped rocks hard in, in the Kusa and in the Outback and it, you know, for the most part it does okay, but yeah. I don't think, either of my girls kayaks would withstand that. So at some point, you know, as if they continue to show interest and stuff, I'm definitely going to upgrade their kayaks too, but, uh, definitely a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And this, there's nothing wrong with going in, in that cheap route, that big box, cheap Walmart 
whatever like you know because you may not like kayaking you may find that it it's not for you but and a lot of times that that comes from people being uncomfortable in them like i was well when i'll tell you dude like the the first time i got an acoustic hd versus that since i filmed stream was night and day i was like dude this i'm actually comfortable in this thing like you know and i didn't demo mine like i just went out and pulled the trigger on it okay and so I was like, this is completely, completely different. I knew that it was going to be more comfortable. I was just surprised in the difference of it, you know. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, it's, but that's the main thing. Try to get out there, try them out. The unfortunate thing is, is that with the big box stores, you're not going to be able to demo it. And that's why I say still try to hook up with a paddle shop, see what boats they have to offer, and see if you can kind of match the specs you know, to what you have an interest in that might be at Dick's or Walmart or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, even if you can, like you said, paddle one kind of this relatively the same length, you're going to get an idea of what it takes to turn a 10 footer versus a 12 footer versus a six footer and the yeah. tracking too. like, you yeah. know, a shorter boat's definitely going to not track as well as a longer boat. So that kind yeah. of stuff is good to experience before you purchase. So. Definitely. So like, you know, I have a Kilroy HD right now. This is how different it can be. Okay. So the Kilroy HD comes in at 12 foot, 10 inches long, and it's 36 inches wide. The Jackson Kusa HD is 34 inches wide. And it, if I remember correctly, it was like 12, six or 12, nine. I went, I think it was 12, six, 12, three. I think or 12, it is six. too. I think 12, and so that's not this huge difference. That's only like a four inch difference in length and a two inch difference in width. But that Kilroy tracks so much better and it's actually a faster kayak, even with the width being increased. Now, my Kusa though was nice because I could turn fairly sharp in it, like compared to the Kilroy. The Kilroy still turns good, but. Um, it doesn't turn in, in my opinion, as, as good in, in moving current as what the Coos HD, the Coos HD was made for that. So, um, but in the Kilroy's technically, I think originally what is a river kayak, the original one was too, but, but say that, that those little nuances and sizes actually make a huge, huge difference. So, but I'm going to say this, if you're going to get into kayak kayaking, it's actually usually, and Chad Hoover talks about this. You should start out on the cheaper side. If you have a certain budget, it's if you need to start out, do cheaper, but buy a higher end paddle, a higher end paddle, a lighter paddle. That's is going to make your life a lot, lot easier because you won't get fatigued as quickly. You'll still get fatigued because you'll be new to it. it. Just won't come on as quickly as what a heavy kind of cheap paddle will do. So if, if anything, if you need to cut like a few hundred dollars from the boat and get a better end paddle, I recommend going to go get that really nice paddle. It makes a world of difference. I used a cheap bending branches angler scout and it was like $99 and the thing weighed a ton and it was only a 240 and I went and bought the angler pro and it's a $300 paddle, right? But it weighed so much less, and it was a 260. And I'm like, dude, this is night and day. Like, I instantly felt the difference in in the weight just in my hand and also out on the water. Like, it's just so much easier to paddle. 
So that's something else to kind of take a look at. But yeah, get, I would usually too recommend a lot of people want to jump on board with a 10 foot kayak. And I would say go 12 at least. Um, it's going to be quicker in the water. You know, a 10 foot kayak is slow. It turns, it turns good, but with that turning ability comes awful tracking. So it's hard to paddle. Like you said, you're going to paddle and you're going to turn that nose yep. like two feet to each side every single time. And when you do that, you lose distance. Like you, your paddle stroke becomes super inefficient at that point because you're only propelling yourself forward so much. And then the boat turns, you know? So the longer kayaks are going to actually help you track a lot, lot better as opposed to a short one. So I, I think that was uh, the paddle was the next thing I was going to talk to you about. I mean, it, a lot of people will just go to the big box store and be like, oh, I, you know, there's the kayak and here's a $40 paddle and not never even know to try to pick up a lighter paddle or, you know, at least see what it's like. And uh, that was definitely a learning experience for me, too. Now, when I got my uh, Tarpon 100 from Austin Kayak, I think uh, it was a package. So it actually came with a half-decent paddle. So I lucked out there. Um, but until I tried even a nicer paddle yet, uh, I didn't really understand. But uh, it, it does make a world of difference, especially if you're going to, you know, if you're only going to be out for an hour or so, you know, you can probably get by, but if you're going to spend any length of time on the water, uh, it definitely makes a difference to to get a paddle and and to learn how to use it. That was the other thing I that really helped me was I went to uh, my local paddle place had um, classes and um, to teach you just proper paddling technique and stuff, and that definitely helped a ton too as far as f- fatigue wise. And you know, it, it's amazing how when you do it efficiently, how much easier it is. Yeah, and it's a good idea to do that like right away when you first get into it because it you you listen you listen you guys interviewed Jeff and he's got that really good paddling skills DVD for angling. And it's um you know, it's you don't have to buy the DVD. It's actually on his YouTube channel and I remember going this was last year the year before. I totally changed the way that i had to paddle because of that so like if you get into the kayak fishing game go take some of these classes they'll teach you the proper way and you won't be like what i did was form a bunch of bad habits that are hard to break um you know like where you're just paddling with your arms that's like the worst thing possible because that's why it gets so hard to paddle for distances because you're just using your arms and your arms get tired and your arms are important but what really kind of helps alleviate that is to engage your core when you have a paddle stroke and like jeff talks about be smooth like insert that blade give it a second and because if you just crank away it creates so much turbulence in the water that it it actually makes it hard to actually pull that paddle back and you lose a lot of ground and you you know like if you kind of get cruising and you you're doing really smooth paddle strokes you kind of realize that you're keeping speed with like minimal effort in a sense like you know but when you start kind of going real hard at it you tend to put that blade way too far in the water and it's just it it gets sloppy and it's twisting around in your hands and it's just it's not it's not efficient whatsoever and you'll just get tired but 
you know, the one thing I do say is like, if you were a fisherman and you're just, you're not into lakes, you're not going to really be paddling. All you're going to do is do the same kind of thing. Like you're going to set up, float downstream, whatever you probably, you're not going to need like a crazy, nice light paddle. You could get away with the heavier nylon, you know, beat it against the rocks. It's going to still be there. It's not going to take any damage kind of paddle that, that there's nothing wrong with it at that point. But if you're going to end up paddling upstream, you're definitely going to want a nicer paddle for sure. Cause that's, that's where I really noticed the higher end, you know, paddle like shines is when I started to paddle like up against the current and the, it just helped immensely. So and then also go with the widest that you can possibly think of be, like in like for you, like because a lot of these fishing kayaks are in the 30s, you know, and, and I was told wrong. Somebody told me to buy a 240 because I was 5'11", 200 pounds. And it has nothing to do with my height or my weight. Um, it has everything to do with your arm length and how wide your boat is and like that's kind of the big determining factor uh in your paddle stroke length so i i paddled around with that angler scout at a 240 and i despised it because i would hit the sides of my boat and it was just obnoxious and it would just mess everything up that's why i hated fishing lakes for so long and when i switched over to 260 that made a huge huge difference it made paddling lakes a little bit more enjoyable not totally enjoyable just because i was still in the kusa but <laughs> you know like it's definitely a lot easier so i think that's definitely a good thing too uh, to keep in mind um again i i kind of lucked out in that department because the paddle i got had an adjustable ferrule on it so yeah. i could really figure out and and see oh wow yeah when i have it down at 240 i'm bumping and you're not at all stealthy when you're you know trying to paddle and you're bumping your kayak every time that pretty much takes the stealth right out of it but uh i was able to fit you know fine tune it and figure out what it work what works for me so um, those are really nice paddles. If you can get a paddle that has that, um, I don't know if there's drawbacks to that, but you know, I, I wish I had a telescoping paddle because I like to stand when I fish. And one thing that helps with having a shorter paddle at that point is to be paddling while you're standing, you know, kind of like a stand up paddle board. And when you've got a long one, your hands like way high and it just, it's it's real awkward and if you can bring it down some it makes it a lot easier so mm -hmm. i wish i had like a two the two i think it's 250 to 260 but i can't remember um i wish they kind of had a 240 to 260 that'd be pretty cool but i don't think it go i think it's like in 15 centimeter increments usually so i don't think it's a full 20 um there might be somebody making one like that but i haven't come across it yet so that would probably up the weight a little bit too, because you're you have a lot of it, a lot inside of it, you know, to give you that extra length. But yeah, but yeah definitely a good idea. So um, PFD is another thing um, that I, you know, I luckily did not skimp. I went right for the NRS. Actually, you know what? I know that's a lie. I uh, I had a Stolquest first that came in that package, um, and I upgraded to an NRS after like six months. So. Um, the, the Stolquist wasn't horrible, but, um, I went and tried on an NRS, uh, Chinook and definitely it was a lot more comfortable. So which Stolquist did you have? Um, the one with the fold out pockets on the front. I forget which one. It, the keeper. That. Yeah. That was my first one also. Okay. 
it's and actually it, it's a high it's a higher end pfd it's still 100 bucks like um what i didn't like about it was it had a foam back it you know it went down and it went down to like kind of like the top part of your lower back and yeah. that thing would make my back hurt because it was pushing me in a weird angle on my seat um i i had that thing until last year when i won a nrs chinook at um a giveaway that loveland was doing this is before i was on their team and they had a tournament and i won it in a giveaway and um, that made a huge huge difference for for my back um i liked the um stolquist keeper a little bit more as in regards to fit like it was more slim it didn't feel as bulky as i do in a chinook but the Chinook is nice because of all the storage options, like all the tabs. Just I could put so much more stuff on me compared to what the Keeper Best was. Um, but NRS makes one like that, and it's a little bit thinner foam on the backs, you know, and it's like a full kind of back style. Um, it's the Raku, I think, and um, some people like it some people don't it's that's going to be kind of up to you um i think it depends a lot on your seat too like uh, yeah. i know the kusa when i wore the uh the stolquist it, it the seat would hit like right in the middle of that back pad whereas when i put the chinook on i could sit the whole way back and it sat like above where the t- lip of the seat was yep yep and um it was nice because the kusa had that Thermarest uh, lumbar pillow, um, but I think that combined with that foam is what kind of tweaks your back kind of weird. Um, but yeah. like with like the new Jackson seats, how it cur- the new Jackson seats is like an ergo kind of fit, so it kind of goes like this at the top, so it kind of angles away. So your PFD on a, like a Chinook sits up above that. That that was one thing I did kind of noticed is that if you're a taller person you're not going to deal with this but if you're like in the six foot and under range you probably have even on a chinook that back pad that's you know the piece of foam that's up on the shoulders and uh, upper back still sit gets kind of pushed up by your seat a little bit not not awful but it was a little bit on that older seat now the new seat kind of takes takes care of that so but the new seat's a little it's really weird to me just because i've been in I was in a Kuse for like five years. So like I'm completely like trying to adjust to a completely new seat this year. So, but cool. Um, let's see what else. Um, I know let's go, let's go over a couple other things with the PFD. I'm sorry. Um, here's some things that people want to consider. Um, I've seen this be brought up before because a lot of people look for comfort because they don't want to wear them. Please wear them. Um, and if you can, please wear ones that aren't auto inflates. I know that, and it, that can kind of be specific. I know there's tournaments out there that will not let you, or they don't want you to wear auto inflate or manual inflates, like especially on big bodies of water if you're like in the Great Lakes or St. Clair or something like that, because it's just those big bodies of water are huge and there's a reason why they have a lot of accents on them. A lot of things can go wrong and they just prefer you to have something that you're not going to have to worry about not working like in a sense. So, um, but 
when you get one, you got to think about it. Like, am I, what do I want to attach to it? You know, there's, there's jackets out there. That if you're not going to attach anything to your jacket, there's cheap, like there's some cheaper alternatives out there. But if you're going to start putting like a knife and whistle and, you know, a pair of snips on it and, you know, and this and that, like, it's funny because, like, you know, like the Chinook and a lot of these vests have these really cool kind of like fold out things. And then I'm like, I've never used it for that reason. Not, <laughs> not once, dude. I keep the phone in one and my keys in the other. Like, and that's it. I don't, I've never folded it down once and used it, not in a kayak. So um, it almost seems like that would be more aimed at fly fishermen because I know fly fishing vests have that feature also. So, but yeah, for kayaking, never used it. Um, yeah, I don't use half the pockets on my Chinook. I think I have uh, my whistle kind of tucked into one, and then I have my uh, uh, my uh, lure retriever for when I get a snag. I can, you know, reach in, pop that on my line, let it slide down. But other than that, I don't really use all those pockets yeah. at all. Um, but uh, in regards to the inflatables, just if you go that route, buy a quality one and be sure to check it like often do it try to do it a couple times a year if if you can um you know it's like i said before nothing's made perfect so like you know even though the cartridge may be good or something just just change it out like you never know you could get a faulty cartridge you know i it's it's something you really when you think about it it's really simple to have happen so but yeah go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but no that's okay i that's definitely good i i remember um we were down uh in the inlet in maryland uh flounder fishing and uh the dnr guy came over just to check the length of our flounders to make sure we were legit and i i noticed he was wearing a an inflatable like a mustang i think was the brand and i we had a conversation about that that i was like i'm surprised that you guys um, you know, are wearing, wear inflatables. He's like, wow, this is kind of like top of the line inflatable. He said it, it's guaranteed to go off, you know, a hundred percent of the time. And I'm like, okay, well, still it surprised me. So, um, yeah. there's definitely nice inflatables out there, but you know, there's also for every nice one, there's probably, you know, 10 crappy ones that, you know, <laughs> aren't going to be as reliable. I've even seen like the, you know, the ones that are, it's just a belt. It's not even, yeah. it doesn't even go over his shoulders. And I'm surprised that, you know, those are even, you know, I, mean, I don't, that's not going to keep you upright. It might help you float, but if you're, you know, knocked unconscious or whatever, you know, that's, it's not it's really going to help. Right. So just definitely keep that in mind. So, yeah. and you know, like I, I can't stand wearing mine. Like I wish I didn't have to, but like what it comes down to is I have a family, I have kids, if people care about me. I'm not getting any younger. I don't necessarily take the best care of myself. So really kind of where my fear comes out of it. It's not about swimming. I was a really good swimmer. My fear comes out um, of having like a medical emergency and falling out of my kayak or something weird. You know what I mean? And I'm incapacitated. I can't, you know, whether it's and sorry, I don't mean to go in this direction because I know you you had to deal with this. Like if I had a heart attack or you know, a stroke or something, you know, like, or a breathing issue. And it's like, you know, you may not be able to swim and, you know, or you do fall out and you hit your head instantly. Like I fished rivers, man. I fished some funky places with some, you know, rocks the size of cars and they're man-made jagged rocks, you know, like there's just all kinds of kind of issues that could go down. 
um, cold water, like cold water, man, like you get in it, dude, like it hurts. Like it literally hurts. Like I've, I've weighed fished when it's really cold outside. And the first time I did it, I didn't wear enough layers and my feet, like I could not feel my feet. Like it just felt like I was walking on nubs and I was only in the water for like 10 minutes. And so if you think about that, you hit that water and you're not wearing a dry suit or whatever, you have a PFD on it, it isn't going to matter, dude, your body's going to go into shock and you're not going to be able to swim. So at that point, you know, that's why PFD is so, so important because it's going to keep you upright. You're probably not going to be able to move your extremities, you know, so, but yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people who say, you know, oh, they're not comfortable. I you know, I'm to the point now where if you wear it enough times, you're going to get used to it. And yeah. I don't even realize it's on at this point. But that the reason why you mentioned is exactly the reason why, because I've already been through a heart attack once. It, you know, you, you're not going to know it's coming and, and you're you're not going to have time to just be like, oh, uh, something bad's happening. I, I got to put this on. It's it's not like that. It, you have to be ready for it to happen. And, uh, you know, whatever peace of mind that gives you it. it I mean, it gives me a little bit of peace of mind anyway, that yeah. if something like that would happen again, I at least would be kept above water. Yeah. And part. it's not a hundred percent foolproof, but it's increasing your odds of surviving. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> when you hear, that. if you listen to the, the fatalities in boating and stuff, like the percentage of people uh, who, uh, who actually pass away and the percentage of those people who are, were not wearing our PFD, it's crazy. Like just putting that on increases your odds of survival, like over like 75% or something crazy like that. It, it's just, right. it's almost like a no brainer. And that's why I think we stress it so much because, uh, of all the things that should be the very first thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a wise investment, you know, and to be, and to be honest with you, I know we were trying to kind of talk about like, you know, keeping things cost effective, but it's another thing right there is the more expensive, the better nine times out of 10. It sucks that it's like that. I kind of just wish they'd just make one good, you know, just be <laughs> like, here's a good, it's really, really good. Like, you know, and then have cheaper alternatives. Cause at that point you're kind of just toying with the idea of, is this thing going to do what it's advertised to do, you know? Right. But so, uh, what else do we want to get into? Um, how about rods, rods and, and tackles? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like, uh, for instance, you know, you can go and buy a lose or, you know, at Abu Garcia at Dick's or one of those, uh, stores, or you could, there's so many little, um, uh, not little, but um, custom rod builders or um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like I'm thinking of like the six skills or the um, those kind of places, you know, um, what's the one Brian just signed with? Uh, Douglas. Douglas. You know, not that they're little, but uh, they're not, I think, as huge as some are. So Yeah, it's a small company, but they make high-end real or rods. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so, I, so I'm a... I'm a bit, so I'm a kind of guy you get what you pay for type person. So like you buy the cheap crack, it's going to be cheap. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. It's going to perform like crap. Um, the same thing kind of goes with rods and reels. Now, one thing I would say though, is the more money you spend on your rod, the probably better chance that you actually have 
angling wise worth hooking up fish uh more expensive rods tend to have better sensitivity so that's just kind of the simple fact with it i started out bass fishing with a um, tried and true ugly stick gx2 you know <laughs> and it was on a loose i put a loose carbon fire that thing was like 50 bucks and you know that rod i don't even remember it might have been 50 bucks i don't know 40 or 50 bucks i don't know what they sell for now but um and it was my first combo and i actually really liked it um and uh it i've never i th- actually i take that back i did break it i shut it in the car door and snapped the uh the rod tip off and um but other than that dude the thing is a tank um it's just it's it's hard to fish with when uh you're looking for sensitivity um if you were just casting with it not a big deal but I bottom fish a lot so when you make contact with the bottom where you really see sensitivity shine is to be able to distinguish what's a rock and what's possibly uh, a strike you know so um that's kind of where you know like how sensitive do you want to go and um also like light you know the gx2 is a little bit on the heavy side versus you know higher end rods tend to start getting made out of those kind of unique um compounds like whether it's carbon fiber or, i don't well, it could be carbon fiber but you know what i mean like graphites versus fiberglass versus this versus that so <clears throat> it's really kind of the game you want to play is how far how deep do i want to dive into this i haven't gone to the super expensive side um i have some expensive stuff but i'm a bargain shopper so and i happen to retrieve left hand bait casters I didn't see any point switching hands. I retrieved left-handed spinning, and it made no sense to me to switch hands to reel. So I bought left hand. There's a big pro and a big con with that. Um, the big con is that out of, like, if you get, like, go to buy a reel out of, like, a, say, a certain lose model, they will only make one of the models, like, usually the gearing and stuff in left hand. And the other like three or uh, or the other three models, whether it's like a six eight to one, a seven five to one, and a whatever, they'll have three versions of that in a right-handed model, but only one will be carried in left hand. So I have to be really, it's really weird to shop for them um, because of that. Because I'll be like, oh, I like that. That's a like when I was trying to buy a new um, reel for jig fishing, I needed to find like a higher end gear ratio, like seven five to eight. And it was really, really hard to find it. Everything was right-handed, dude. And I finally stumbled across a left-handed model. The big pro of that is that they don't sell a lot of them. So by the end of the year, they'll go on discount. And I've gotten a couple higher-end reels for dirt cheap because of that. Like I have a $280, almost a $300 lose reel that I got for $140. You know, it was basically 50% off at the end of the year because nobody was buying it. So um, so that's kind of the benefit. But that's the cool thing about fishing gear like that. And this goes with kayaks, too, is like everything kind of gets reset. There's 2018 models, 2019 models, and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of times you will be able to find overstock. And if you catch it at the right time, especially around Christmas, you can get some pretty steep discounts. You know, I've, I've gotten a couple of nice reels for like 50 to 55% off. Um, I've never bought like a high end, like 
component at full price. The only thing that I've ever bought at full price rod-wise that's on the nicer end, but they're not super expensive, is Fenwick rods. And I've stuck with Fenwick from the time that I decided to upgrade from the GX2. I've just bought Fenwick's. Not for any particular reason, except for somebody really liked Fenwick's. I went and tried it out, and I liked it, and I just stuck with it. Um, But the HMG is a really good rod. It sells for $99. Um, and it's sensitive. Um, some people say it's kind of fragile, but usually the people I've said, say it's fragile or beating the daylights out of it. You know, they're the guy that throws up in a tree and just goes like this <laughs> and then it breaks and they're like, I don't know why it broke. It shouldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, it's going to break, dude. You're hooked to a tree, bro. Like you've got, you know, 30 pound braid on there. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's probably going to break. Um, uh, I've been there, done that. I, you know, sadly, uh, I've learned my lesson. Uh, it took maybe breaking two rod tips off to learn that lesson, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so, but so check this out. Like Fenwick also makes something called a sil- the silver Hawk, which is an HMG. And it's just rebranded though for Cabela's like strictly Cabela's sells it. And it's $99. It's the exact same rod, just it's black instead of that weird copper and gray color that the other one is. And it doesn't say HMG. It says Silverhawk on it. Um, I think they have a second version of it called Silverhawk 2. Same exact rod, though. What's beautiful is Cabela's will sell this thing for $79, $69 sometimes. And I'm like, heck yeah, dude. So I've got like six of those because I'm like, well, dude, like, you know, I was able to go buy then those different strengths you know, instead of trying to drop like, you know, $1,500 potentially, you know, on like some $300 rods and you only got five rods. And I was like, dude, I did that for under 500 bucks, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's where you kind of like got to look at what fishing style do you have? Are you going to be a tournament guy? The reason, if anybody's wondering why people carry so many rods, it's usually because they're into tournaments. When you're into tournaments, it's all about being efficient. It's all about making as many casts as you possibly can. So when you change lures, that just takes up time. If you think about it, I changed the lure. You potentially, what, lost two casts potentially at that point? Just maybe to be on the lower end even. Like, you know, depending on how quick you are at or what you're tying on, you have to get it out. You know, like you tie your knot, tie it back, put your stuff back. You know, you probably lost two solid um, cast right there at that point. And you do that 10 times, you know, like that's 20 casts that you lost during that tournament. So that's why you see the tournament guys do that. I'm not into tournaments, so I don't, I, but I still do. If I'm going to do it, I carry a lot of rods with me. I'll carry at least four to six. And I know like Sam and them, they'd be carrying eight, 10 rods. Sam will have like six, seven rods just in his black pack. And he'll have four stored in the kayak itself too. And that's just because he takes everything possible. He's like, you don't know when the conditions change, you don't know what you're going to need. So, and, but like I said, it just makes you more efficient on the water where you don't have to get the switch back and forth. So, um, and, um, but I guess what the point with the rods is, is that if you're going to kind of spend the money, maybe get the higher end rod over the higher end reel. Um, That's going to help you just detect bites easier. Um, The nice thing about 
a higher end reel normally is it's going to be smoother. It's probably going to last longer too. I've bought a couple of cheap bait casters and you know, they kind of fall apart a little bit easier, you know, uh, or they start grinding or whatever. They don't react well to dirt, you know, or water, that sort of thing. Like I remember now that's not true. Hold on a second. I bought a spinning <laughs> reel. I bought a smoke quantum smoke was my first high end reel or higher end reel. It's not a super high end reel, but it's like hundred. 30 to 150 bucks at the time. I think it's like 180 to 70 or 80 now, but that reel was awesome. Super light, super smooth. If it rained though, dude, it was garbage. Cause the, mm. cause it had so much cut out and it was like, like the reel was so light that it was so exposed that if it rained and got water on it, it changed the complete performance of it. It would feel like I was literally like I'd stuck peanut butter in the gears and stuff. <laughs> it was weird. Um, but that's that's kind of my take on it. I have a buddy who had bought like a cheaper reel and put it on a nicer rod, and he was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "I don't, I just don't see the reason I can cast, I can cast as far as I need to with what I have." And you know, um, but you know, like I said before, with the cheaper and reels, you know, you may run into an issue of breakage a lot easier. You know. They're gonna they're gonna skimp on parts like the bale wire and the bale spring and you know kind of things like that that you don't really think of and you're sitting there fishing one day and then the side of your bale explodes out and it's because it's got a bad screw in it or something like that and and if I don't know if you ever opened one of those to cover where your bale spring is but it doesn't stay there real nice and neat it likes to shoot out and it's a tiny spring and nine times out of ten you never find it again <laughs> so. Uh, that's definitely good to keep in mind too. Yeah. I, um, I'm still probably on the lower end of most of those things. I have, um, uh, I like my most expensive rod is a St. Croix rod. Um, and I bought a Shimano, uh, Baycaster reel to go with that, but it's not like the top of the line Shimano. It's probably actually probably on their lower end. Um, um, and most of my other rods are down from there, uh, rods and reels, but, uh, so I'm still learning, but I definitely, you know, have learned about, you know, the sensitivity makes a huge, huge difference. The, I, I don't know. I, I, I When I first started out, I really thought I wasn't just, there's just no fish here. But I think I was missing so many bites because my rods just weren't sensitive enough. And um, uh, I think that it's 100% true when you're when you're learning. That's one of the most important things is to have something where you can distinguish bites from bottom, you know, because uh, so many times what I, what I thought was bottom was probably bites and, and yeah. I didn't know. So, yeah. And I mean, if you've seen video of a bass eating, like you ever seen where it just comes up to something and it opens its mouth and inhales it in and you're not going to feel that that telltale thump thump, you know, double tap as I always called it like you know that hit where it's kind of vicious like they're attacking it you may not even sense that you know and I've seen videos where they do that and spit it out and no dude before you'd even yeah right yeah and um so and that's especially if you're finesse fishing that's where it really really shines to have like a you know higher end like you know sensitive rod like if if anything like if you're gonna buy one do it on your spinning rod, you know, like, cause that's where you're going to need to really, really detect that sense of sensitive bite is you're sitting there 
drop shotting or throwing a TRD. I can't tell how many times I've thrown a TRD, a Ned rig, and not had a clue that the fish had that. And the only thing that tri- triggered it off is I saw the line move, you know. Um, <clears throat> but it's, um, but yeah, like my kind of advice is shop smart. Um, don't spend full price. Um, if you like a certain brand, follow that brand. Pay attention to their like newsletters, what they're doing with their reels. Because what you'll find in sometimes is when they do a redesign of, say, they're going to redesign the Corrado, you know, like those previous model Corrados are probably going to go on sale at some point and you could strike a really, really good deal with them. Go to fishing shows, go to fishing expos. Oh my gosh, dude. Like, dude, I've caught, I caught, I have, I've got. Uh, a new jig rod like one of those eight ones when i finally found a left-handed one it was at a fishing expo and it was normally like 180 dollars, and i got it for like 120 you know like it's 60 bucks i save right there you know and um so it's it there's ways to kind of get around just uh, you know you don't necessarily have to go out and drop full price on it you don't have to drop a ton of money to get into this even if you're into the tournament scene you know um even if you're going to maybe order, like if you're an order from a smaller company, see if they'll work a deal. If you were going to buy like, uh, you know, five, six, seven rods from them or something, you know, it's always potential that they may do something for you like that. Give you a discount code, you know, ask around if you, if you know people that are on teams, see if they have one. A lot of times they do have one to give out, you know? So. Yeah. I, I think, all very good points yeah definitely you know nine times out of ten there is a way to get it even just a tiny bit cheaper you know but so if you're thinking about it and you're you know looking at a rod and or reel or anything really um just uh take a look at your options before you pay full price because there's nine times out of ten there's some way to get at least something off of it um so and I'm a I'm a big lose reel guy. Like I love lose reels, and then Fen- I'm really into Fenwick rods. But I got real stoked because like I don't like if you follow like iCast and stuff like that. Fenwick has kind of become known to make really good combos. Like they're not like super high end or anything. They just make a a decent combo for a good price point. And they had the mock series. They had the crush, and and you know it was one of the ones with the bright orange one and they had the bright green one and stuff and i know a lot of people that went out and they have three or four of those they had a couple nicer combos but they got into tournament fishing and but they didn't want to go drop like you know another five six seven hundred dollars per rod kind of deal you know so they went and bought those and they're like dude i use these more like my buddy Mike, he loves that HMG, like the Fenwick HMG, and it's got a good price point. It's ninety nine bucks, man. He's like, dude, it's, and Brad loves it too. Like, there's so many people really like it, and they're like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the expensive rods. Like, I know how nice Saint Croix are. Like, if I had the money, dude, I'd probably throw all Saint Croix. I just, I don't like for having you know, six rods on my kayak and I'm thinking those are like $300 a piece. I'm like, good Lord, that's pushing $2,000, you know, just in the <laughs> rods themselves, you know, mine was um, not a three on mine was like 150. Mine's one of the Mojo 
bass but, series so but those are good those are good too though that's yeah. the thing that's cool about st croix is like they even can like they take a lot of consideration of what everything they build there so like even when they have a lower end rod they still put some high-end stuff into it like that's kind of what's cool about it that's kind of what fenwick does a little bit not as not as extravagant as good as what st croix does but like the hmg's got a decent real seat um it's got decent guides in it they're not the best but you know they're better than like you know some of the other ones now don't get me wrong fenwick also has one it's called the eagle and it's a piece of crap like it has no <laughs> coating on the guides like you look at it and you're like did i just see that thing sawing through my line like constantly you know but it's only like 50 bucks so too or something like that so but yeah it's just it's all things to consider it's um Fishing's expensive. It's it really, really is. When you think about it, um, it gets expensive with certain things. Like I'm a Kai Tech guy. It's, I just <laughs> like one fish, and that thing's usually done. Like yeah. I mean, I I went through four today, and I didn't even catch a fish. Yeah. Like I I kept getting bites, like these short strikes, and they were tearing the Kai Kai Tech apart. I think I got hit by a walleye or pike today. It just bit the tail clean off like you know like so and you think about those things are like five or six bucks for a pack but you know throwing plastics is way cheaper than throwing hard baits so um you know that's the other thing to consider too like but you know there's there's ways to be a budget-minded angler um and even and even be able to score higher end products. Like I was talking about with the left-handed and versus right-handed or like when they redesign stuff, just you shop around. Like if you're like us or like me and I'm obsessed with kayak fishing and fishing in general, like usually four times a week I'm on tackle warehouse or something and I'm just browsing at it. And that's why I catch those sales. You know, sometimes they'll do like a flash 24 hour sale and they'll sell something dirt cheap. So if you're looking to get that stuff, go in and sign up for their like email alerts and then shut it off when you're ready, you know, when you're done with it and then you may stumble across something good. I think it's true. I, I, uh, I ended up getting a 13, uh, fishing rod, uh, a nice one. It was regularly 180, but because they were redesigning it, um, they sold that year's model and it really was a, still a super nice reel. I think I got it for like 79 bucks or something crazy. Yeah. So, um, definitely that's a good idea too. Uh, um, you know, at one point in time that was the top of the line rod, you know, and just a year passes and then all of a sudden it's half price. So, it's definitely a good idea to keep uh, keep an eye on that. And I almost uh, it's funny you talked about uh, the left handed. Uh, I almost try started teaching myself that just because I could find. I started running across all these that I could <laughs> find for like real cheap, but I have not done that yet. I still <laughs> switch hands, but uh, but so. like I got the I got two Fenwicks this past year. I got their most expensive rod, and it's like two ninety nine. And so I was on, I think I got fish brain. I think I saw it on fish brain on Facebook and I was like, what? And I'm like, no way. And I went on there. I was like, the Fenwick world-class rod. I'm like, that thing's $300. I'm like, they're selling it for 150. And I'm like, what? And I went on Fenwick's site and they, and it pops up again. I'm like, oh, they are selling it. And then like right next to it though, is one that's $300 and it's completely different color. It's like the new model, like it's silver and the other one's like black. 
And I'm like, oh, this is last year's stuff. So I bought two of them. I was like, dude, I bought two of them for the price of what one was. So um, I was like, why not? Because I was in the model or in the market to try to buy a longer jig rod and then one for like frogging because I I didn't have a heavy action rod yet. So um, I had a medium heavy, but it was kind of on the short side. So it was hard to throw uh, like a frog with it, like accurately. It didn't have a good snap to it. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing, man. I mean, I scored like $300 rods for half the price, you know? And, um, they're super ultra nice, man. Like, I'm like, Oh, like I don't even, I already (laughs) messed one of them up too. Like, I'm like, Oh God, I suck. That's why you guys buy rod covers, dude. Like (laughs) I set it in the back of the truck and my toolbox, I got a little toolbox for the fish finder and my batteries. It was back there and it has wheels on it and it rolled over the guide Uh, and bent it. I mean, flattened the guide too. And it, it chipped the epoxy that's on the threads around the eyelet. I'm like made me sick I, i've maybe used that rod like twice right at this point too so yeah that definitely <laughs> happens i that 13 rod i was telling you about i lost it in the river probably <laughs> my first trip out this year uh i went to get my paddle out and popped it right out of the rod holder and down in the water she went so i now have floats on my rods after that heartbreak but uh it happens so all right, man. Well, hey, I, I think that was a ton of good info. Um, I appreciate you coming on kind of last minute with me tonight. Um, no worries. And uh, definitely we will uh, have to have you on again sometime, brother, because I enjoyed it. Again, good job this morning. Uh, tough your job. way through what? that. There's nothing <laughs> good about that. Yeah, you were there. You tried. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again, man. And um I guess uh, we'll finish with our tagline. Have you heard our, you know, our tagline, right? Yeah. yeah. I edit your guys' pods now. So. Right, right. All right. Well, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast. We're bringing you the tips, the tricks, and the techniques to help you rip more lips. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. 